Welcome to the Kingdoms Podcast, sharing the stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Ladies and gentlemen, you're once again welcome to another episode of the Kingdoms Podcast. I've got exciting news for you. You can now contribute to your favorite podcast by signing on to our Patreon. Go to the Patreon link in the description and you can contribute to the growth and development of your favorite podcast with as little as $5 monthly. Also, do not forget to sign up for your MBA program with the Ottman Business School see the code uh in the description with the code kingdom sport 30 you can sign up for 30 percent discount on the program here's a word from our sponsors life is way more important than sales you're not going to know what's going to be the problems and what are the challenges that you're going to face and my job is to help you understand how sales helps you succeed at life by the end of that phone call my hand was shaking so badly i could not hold a pen to write i called my manager john and i said i might have just killed jeff bezos the end result of Google acquiring YouTube for $1.65 billion is compressed into five days. You're being taught by actual people who have done it. The founder of Shazam, the founder of Lime, the founder of Eventbrite, the founder of Waves, the founder of YouTube, and others are going to help you understand how they did it. It is the best experience that you can have. You're going to see some truly remarkable results. Let's go. This is a lifetime lesson. So start now. We are live. Ladies and gentlemen, you want to get welcome to the King Dames podcast. And today I have a very, very special guest. So I have written down your introduction, right? Okay. <laughs> so this, this woman is a leader. She's a teacher. She's a coach. She's a mentor to career status, she's a career woman, she's a finance professional, a chartered accountant, big four consultant, an audit manager with one of the big four accounting firms. She's a wife, she's a mom, and importantly, she's a lover of God. Please make welcome, Ore Pukola. How are you Thank doing you. today? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. Um, I feel sort of, um, it's my first podcast ever. Um, wow. And so when you reached out to me to say, oh, you wanted to talk to me, I'm like, oh, okay. So I've been doing more of like just trainings, um, you know, chatting to people over calls and all of that, but never really done like a podcast where I would, even though people had reached out to me to sort of do some sort of publication and um, write about myself, I, 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 I'm the worst at writing about myself, whatever that is. So I felt like, oh, this should be fun. Let me go see what this actually sort of looks like oh interesting so, uh anyways the kingdom's podcast is about sharing the stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things you know and i have identified you as one of those ordinary people doing you know extraordinary things you know the worst can be the best right you are the worst <laughs> at describing yourself right but then on the kingdom's podcast you're actually going to transform to being the best because the next question is you know how would you describe yourself 
in a few words <laughs> as a person? Um, so I'll sort of just say I'm, I'm a professional, um, just like you've introduced me, but outside of that, I am very, very keen about people. Um, and I feel like this is what drives me the most uh, is the fact that when you're interacting with people in whatever sort of um, situation at work, in relationships and all of that, um, the first basic fundamental thing is the people on the other side of whatever interaction. We just all go transactional. A lot of people go transactional. I think what has really helped solidify who I am is to first think about that person. Um, so at work, whatever it is I'm doing, family, any, anything, I'm thinking about people first, like them. Are they okay? Are they fine? Um, I feel like everything is secondary. So I see myself as very people-centric and that has helped me sort of find purpose and has helped me in everything I'm doing um, in my life. So I would sort of describe myself as very people-centric, a professional, and just a lover of people, basically. And that has just helped shape who I am as a person. Oh, wow. Interesting. So in order to understand um, a human being, uh, I strongly believe that uh, their childhood is usually an important part of their life to backtrack, right? And, you know, get to understand them because a lot of the values, right, uh, the core values basically that uh, form a person's character are usually picked up, you know, in those uh, formative years. So um, yeah. that being said, I'd like for you to uh, talk briefly about, you know, your childhood and how growing up was like for yourself. Yeah, uh, so uh, I was born in Ilaro State, but um, my dad moved to Lagos when I was really little, like a year old kind of deal. And um, my dad was a civil servant. Um, before he retired. Um, my mom is still a civil servant now. Um, and so growing up in our household, so my dad was an internal auditor um, with a university in Lagos before he retired. And my mom is a professor now in one of the universities in Lagos. So we've always had, in terms of like upbringing, we've always had a home where education is paramount. Um, and my dad is also a preacher. So I, you know, growing up in that Christian household and at the same time, like growing up in that household where you just have to go to school, you know, you just have to do the right thing. So there was a lot of learnings. So if you see the things that I do right now on LinkedIn, that used to be my dad. My dad read a lot. My dad, my dad has this very big library of books. I don't even know how he does it. He reads and reads and reads. So he tells us, I think one of his biggest quotes used to be um, um, a quote around while um, people, ordinary people sleep, great men, they burn the midnight candle and all of that and all of that. So he'll keep telling us all of those things. And so I think from a very, very, very young age, my dad had instilled this, you have to be hardworking. It was very, it was very keen about the schools we went to, if we were enjoying the process, if we were doing well. It would be very uncomfortable if you were not sort of on top of the class or you're not doing well. So that was the sort of, um, my mom, although also, so I saw my mom, I grew up to know my mom as having NCE, just NCE. And I saw my mom grow from having NCE to like having a PhD. Um, my, my mom wow. got a PhD. That's remarkable. Yeah, I think she got a PhD in 2011, 
when I finished university. That was when she got a PhD. So, and I think the central person to all of our stories is my dad. Um, and because he is a motivator, he pushes everybody to be at their best. He says he wanted all the students to be chartered accountants. Um, three out of four are chartered accountants. Wow. Um, even though my other brother he did computer, he did computer science in school, he still said he should go and do it. So, so that so my dad pushes everybody, pushed my mom until she got a PhD. Um, so I saw him at the center of it, and he would do just about anything. He would sponsor you, he would give you if you needed time, whatever it is, he would give that to you. So I grew up in that sort of household where, um, okay, let me chat to you also about when I was in the university. So at the time I was getting to university was when my dad was retiring from full-time service. And then um, it was the case that, um, obviously, he was retired. And he, was, he wanted me to attend a very good school. So he wanted me to at attend Babcock University. Quite expensive compared to what a civil servant would earn, you know. But it was Private like, schools. Oh, yes, I know. Like, he just wanted us to go to, like, the best schools and all of that. And he would do just about anything for us to be able to sort of attend those kind of schools. So I, I got him something like, something that really, really helped me throughout my stay in university is my dad would call me every day around 6 a.m. every single day. Mm. And that's when he's finished probably his own early morning routine or prayers or whatever. So he would call me. Now, my dad, sometimes my, my dad, <laughs> as much as he's a push, he's, he also holds us accountable. So once it calls you at 6 a.m. and you sound like you're still sleeping, he doesn't like it. So once I see my dad's call, I get up and, I'm, and I get myself like, you know, I don't want to sound like, oh, hello. I, I'm like, hello, daddy. How are you? I'm fine. I'm up. <laughs> <laughs> ginger. <laughs> he was ginger. So he would say, everybody would say, where are you now? Do you have any tests today? Do you have any sort of um, assignments? Have you done your assignments? I'm telling you, he invested so much time. He would call every morning and he would say, okay, so your CGPA, have you spoken to? Um, a, a, do you have any courses that you sort of struggle with? Do you want to go and meet the lecturer? Is there anything you need to do? Are there textbooks you need to buy? You know, it, it, it was always in the story. Uh, and he would call yeah. me every morning and all of that. And not just me, for my siblings as well. We all went to the same school. So we would do the same for all of us. And my dad pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. And it would remind us that, look, we are poor as it is. You, you, you can't even consider us as average. We are poor as it is. If you really want to break this course, if you really want to break through and all of that, the story starts with you. And I really want to put you on that pedestal where you're able to do that. So, um, so that push that I saw from him encouraged me to have my own routine so i didn't wait for him to call me i would be up myself i would read and read and study so all i was doing in school was read study what I so that set me up really nicely to be able to finish with the grade i finished with and you know the rest is history and it kept on like that until i think i got married and then he's he east up so he doesn't call me every day <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so that was the sort of upbringing that that i had it was hard no doubt i didn't have friends or i didn't go parties Never went partying. Great. Wow. Never, ever, ever. And I mean it. Never went partying. It would it would come to school, check on it would come to school like once like every other week. It would travel from Lagos to Elysian every other week to check up on us. I remember then my mom would call us and say, Your dad is coming, you guys, your dad is on his way, get ready. <laughs> 
So it was really so I had this it was really tough. Um but I think that all of that I did prepared me for everything going on with my life right now because I don't have to struggle with consistency or with resilience or with everything I'm going through right now. Mm, I, I think you, you read my mind, right? Because for me, as you were speaking, I was speaking out like certain recurring themes, you know, that formed a pattern in your childhood. So basically you were able to pick up um, certain core values that I that resonate with me, that I appreciate, you know, things like hard work, like um, integrity, like um, ambition, motivation, right consistency very very yeah. important because you know it's yeah. it's one thing to be determined there's another thing to be consistent you know uh talent is never enough right yeah. but then you know you can be averagely talented but then if yeah. you're persistent and you're consistent right yeah. you will chip the blocks away and you will you know find ways to become like really really successful as as a human being and it's really yeah. um it's really remarkable to see how these you know wonderful values have actually uh, played out for right from your childhood to your yeah. adulthood and seeing you become a successful person and not just becoming a successful person because for me i always tell people um there is no success without a successor and i see yeah. the great work you're doing in building successors you are paying yeah. it forward and you know yeah. uh the big, big big ups to you big kudos to you for for, for the you. great work that do uh, as a person right so aside from your father uh were there like any other early like influences uh or mentors and role models for yourself um so i think yes obviously there were there were some people who had immense contribution towards my my growth and all of that there were some friends of my parents that were actually like always really brilliant and they kept every time I sort of I'm in their presence or whatever, they tell me to keep doing whatever I was doing. And that was just basically while, while I was back at school. Oh, face your books, you know, that kind of deal. Make sure you're um, reading, make sure you're on track and all that. So I think my parents kind of created this. They don't have many friends, but the friends they, they have now or did have then were really valuable people that always had the right words for the moment. And I'm sort of, I love when people sort of challenge me or inspire me to do more. So, um, so I have that. My parents have those circle of friends that sort of would tell you every time they need you to always be um, that best version of yourself and the rest. Um, I think another sort of thing that really helped me was because my dad had a lot of books he read. Now, I am not a voracious reader um, of books, especially hard copy books. I don't, for some reason, I've tried. Um, I don't really like reading ad copy books, so I don't. But I do audio books a lot. Um, so I'm always loved listening to self-help, leadership, like all of those things I do. But my dad is a virtuous reader, so he reads the ad copy. So he had all of those books. So from him, I learned that I could get inspired by other people that I may not know. Um, mm. and, and one of the books he gave me then was one of the books that had the best impact on my life then was by Catherine Coleman, I think Daughter of Destiny, that my dad gave me then. I read it before I even entered into the university at all. Um, and I, that, that's probably the only book I've read cover to cover several times over uh, because I just loved the story. And for me, since then, I've had 
to be mentored by people that I've never met before. Mm. So I I pride myself in telling you that every single content that is available out there that Jimron has ever done, I've probably listened to everything. Les Brown has ever done, I've probably listened to everything. Tony Robbins, everything that is available out there, many, many more people like that, even new generational, um, new generation and motivational speakers or business people. Well, as long as it's available out there, I am marinating in content. So it, it is that for me, rather than um, just having one person that I just want my life to be like. Mm, interesting. So I, I think in this age and time, a lot of people tend to downplay the importance of um, reading, the importance of uh, books. So I think in, in agent time, there's more like um, social media and information, right? There is a lot of good yeah. content and also yeah. there is a lot of bad content as well on social media. It's it's a yeah. very big mix of the good, the bad and the ugly. But for me, yeah. I am a millennial. Uh, I'll be 32 mm. this year. But I can tell you that um, when I was a teenager, I remember reading like certain self-help, certain uh, motivational books that helped, you know, shape my character, that helped, yeah. you know, give me determination, self-belief and uh, resilience in, in life as a, as, a, as a person. And also like certain um, books that also helped, you know, develop um, certain valuable skills such as communication skills, right? Yeah. Uh, but then for, for you, what, what books like stick out from that era of you um, growing up, right? That you would probably say they're evergreen and you would gladly recommend to um, young people in this generation? Um, I think there are the regular books people talk about, which I've probably listened to over and over again, like How to Win Friends and How to Win Friends Before and Win Over Friends. Dale um, Carnegie? Yes. Yeah, um, I, I read I, that book. <laughs> I read yeah, that book. Really, it really helped yeah, me. Like, How to win friends and influence people. And then he, yeah. he did another one, um, titled um, "The Art of Public Speaking" or something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think I've listened to that once, but I think the biggest one is that first one because that 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 just underpins everything you do. So I think um, that's one of the books that I really loved. Then um, there is another one, The Richest Man in Babylon. Sorry, I'm not really good with names. So yeah. <laughs> um, I, I may not remember the name of the author, but The Richest Man in Babylon is so good. It teaches you about money, basically. And also, also obviously, about a relationship with people and all of that. And my, my, it was actually my dad that told myself and my siblings to read that book then. So I, I read it a long time. It was one of the books I actually read, read out copy. Um, it's That Frog was another one that I, and I think it's that frog, I read that book, I think a couple of years back, probably slightly like five years ago, and that changed how I approach my task day in, day out. Basically just changed it for me. Um, the Psychology of Money um, is another one. Um, there is this one, I don't know, it, it may not be one of the books you just see out there as, oh, it's called Do Epic Shift. I think it was written by um, an Asian guy who talked about a story about how he built his wealth and lost it and all of that. That's really good. That's like very practical. Um, for me, in this era of my life now, um, You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. 
um, I listened to it last year like twice. Uh, and when I say I listen, I use Audible. So I listened to it last year like twice. Very practical, very like top-notch content. Um, when I started this year, I started listening again to it because I felt like there was a sporadic change in my life when I listened to her the first time last year. So I, I, I started listening to her again this year um, and I'm almost done, I think. Um, there was one I found late last year, around November last year or so, December, sometime between November and December. And I think that's the Almanac of Naval Ravikant. Um, fantastic co content, fa fantastic when it comes to like business, um, dealing with people, negotiation, social media, and all of that. Um, I think it was written by Eric Jorgensen. So that is premium content. That's a book I want to listen to over and over again. Now, other than those major ones, what I do when I say I'm marinating content is I have two major apps. I have the Audible app and I have the Blinkist app. Now, oh, Blinkist, Blinkist <laughs> yes, Blinkist is a book summary. Obviously, I'm very, very busy. So I don't have time to, you know, flip books. For, for, I don't know. I don't just have that time. So, but I make sure that I once I get plugged in, I listen to Blinkist. So Blinkist gives me all the books on psychology, biographies, everything you can imagine, leadership, time management. So it keeps ringing. So when I'm taking my kids to school, when I'm going to pick them up, when I'm cooking, when I'm cleaning, I'm I always have something that I'm listening to. Obviously, there's some other content creators on um on on YouTube that do it for me from a business side as well like justin welsh um dan coy and some other creators i think sayo bloom as well so th th there are a lot of creators like that but for every era of my life i had people that helped me get through it while i was in the university it was les brown when i joined the big four firms and i was trying to you know when i was trying to you know when i was trying to get into the uk from nigeria it was tony robbins doing it for me um, and now I have got these other people, this new generation um, guys doing it for me and then just sort of giving me that internal push and motivation. Mm, interesting. So um, I very much agree with you in terms of, you know, having that uh, drive towards absorbing information, right, from, yeah. from, from these books and, you know, leveraging on technology. Like you said, we have apps like Blinkies, I think Headway as well. At some point I had uh, like a Headway um, subscription. Yeah. So basically they summarize uh, these books uh, for you and yeah. then you get the the major information in, in, yeah. uh, about the, the, the content of these books, right? But then also I still feel like some, some books are evergreen, like you said, you know, yeah. stuff like the richest man in babylon i remember yeah. very early in life my, my, my father gave me the book um think and grow rich right yeah by Napoleon Hill. that that was yeah. one book that like it really shaped my life as well so i remember reading books like zero to hero um bill Carnegie's um yeah. publications as well you know how yeah. to win friends and influence people the art yeah. of public speaking uh so th th there were like quite a lot of these books right but uh, for me I, I feel like when you're very much younger and you have like less responsibilities it's a good time of your life yes. to try to cover a lot and you know read a lot of our books because as we grow older and have more responsibilities right it becomes yeah. like more more, more <laughs> yeah, difficult yeah <laughs> and, I, and i mean and i was just looking at my own so i don't have a properly built shelf but i just have this 
place where I, I buy the look one of my one of the things I do <laughs> I walk into bookstores I know I don't read art for people but I enjoy going into bookstores and seeing new things so once I go into bookstores and I see a book I just buy it I know I'm not gonna read it I just buy it so I was looking through that place where I dump those books and I picked out um um surrounded by idiots just like two days ago and I just went straight in the middle and I just opened the middle and I'm like ah and I said, I got stuck with it, but obviously I don't really have that time, so I couldn't continue. So what I did was to go back into Audible and then just buy one, because I know that. And it's one of the books. I'm trying to finish up one now. Once I'm done, I'm moving into that one. So, you know, that's sort of it. So there's no time, really, but it's just finding... The good thing is there's technology. There's a way to cope and still get in the information that you need. Yeah, we, we, we are in the age and time of our digital libraries, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Back exactly. in the days, I, I, used to, I used to have a lot of physical books, but now I discovered yeah. that, wow, I can have, like, more books, you know, as soft copies, right? And yeah. then you can do that do that on the go. But I think, like, this, yeah. these apps with um, audible, audio versions of books and uh, summaries are actually the, the, the way to go. So yeah. uh, speaking about books and books and books, right? Like, uh, can you talk briefly about your academic background? I know you said you went to Babcock, you're a chartered accountant, yeah. but then like yeah. um, your academics, right? Like uh, what yeah. really, you know, did you uh, do? And like, do you think um, education is important for uh, individuals to have success in life? Um, so look, we are in a day and age where everybody is, a lot of people are championing the course of we don't all need to go to university, right? Which is fine. I mean, to each their own, there are people who did not go to university and they're doing great stuff out there. So it's fine to each their own. I don't really have a strong view about if going to school is going to help you succeed in life or not. I don't have a strong view there. The only thing, so from my own personal perspective, it really, really helped me to set the pace. Now, um, I after leaving back, so I went to Babcock University, studied accounting, finished with the first class, then went to work, and then I returned back to Babcock University after a couple of years to do my master's program. Um, and then I was hoping to go do my PhD, but it was stressful. Um, and I did not think it aligned with what I was thinking for myself in the long run. Now, at the point, that's why goals change, right? At that point, I'm like, I can just build a career in audit. I don't need a PhD to build a career in audit. Exactly. I, I don't even think I need masters to build a career in audit. So mm -hmm. I'm like, so why do I need to go to, except maybe there will be something, maybe I want to go into um, lecturing or into education which I don't think so. So I would rather put that effort into something else. So I did, okay, obviously, I, I am the chartered accountant. I'm a chartered banker. I did the diploma in IFRS for ACCA. Um, and then I did this um, in the CFA program. Um, <laughs> the CFA program humbled me, basically. I don't know. I'm, it's not as if I don't fail. I really, I don't know. I'm, I failed pretty much a lot of exams when I even did my ICANN exam. It was only my ATS three. I pretty much did once and passed everything once. Maybe it was ATS one. Other than that, I feel very well. Then CFA program level one. I think I wrote it twice. Level two, I wrote it three times before I passed. Then level three. Forget about level three. I've been writing for ages, so I'm not passing. 
it is really wonderful to to see successful people talk about their failures right because uh, for, for, for me for me um i feel like we live in an age and time where people glorify success people glorify yeah. the gains but then they don't talk about the pains we have the gains right yeah. and the truth is you know successful people are people who have failed forward who have failed repeatedly and do not take no for an answer and have yeah. found you know ways to make things work for themselves right yeah. so but people tend to frown a failure in society but then successful people are people who have owned their failures yeah. Until you yeah. own your failure, until you accept yourself as a person, right? You really can't be successful. But it's it's sad, you know, how people tend to look at you know failure as something that is negative, but then it is mm. not negative. Because I tell people if you try, you may fail, but if you don't yeah. try, you have failed. Yeah. If you True. don't try, you have you have actually failed. So failure is a yeah. part of you know a, a, a part of life, and it's something that you know we should own and you know be proud of, and you know let young people know that yeah, it is always good to try. Yeah. But a lot of people and, and are I just mean, of trying. And I mean, in most of the um, mentoring classes that are old or virtual events are old, and we get to the point where we are talking about, I'm very clear to them that look. So, so people will go into my profile on LinkedIn and say, oh, I'm so happy about your program. I just like your profile. Look, behind you like profile my profile is a lot of press. <laughs> you know, I can exam. I, I, like, I'm so used to failure now. The last CFA result I got, I was in the middle of a meeting. The email came in. I looked at it. I just, <laughs> like checked, I just, I just looked at it. Um, oh, this is a very... The CFA program is a something and devil is a very whatever I don't challenge know, you the devil I, I, I continue my meeting it, it's a challenge you know it's, it's a yeah. <laughs> I just need to know look a time is going to come in my life I'm pro- I'll probably have this chatter and if I don't the truth is a time will come out I will have I will have it and if I don't well um, a lot of people that we started the program, they they qualified. Some are not still qualified. It's fine. So I I try to tell the younger people that I coach and I mentor to say it's fine to fail. Don't worry about it. It's, it's not like it's part of the journey. How would the story be sweet now? How will it be sweet if mm-hmm. you don't have? Mm-hmm. So that that's basically my academic sort of journey. I like books. I like writing exams. Maybe you would have noticed. <laughs> I like writing exams. And the reason why I, I write exams is not for writing's sake. I write it to open the doors for me. I got an opportunity mm. because I passed CFA level one. I basically got a job offer because I passed CFA level one. I got another job offer in private equity because I passed CFA level two. I got a job Just... offer for a, a senior finance manager in a private equity firm because I passed CFA. And, and I mean, when I say because I passed, I'm not joking with you. I got into the interview and all the things that we're talking about was my CFA exam and my CFA program. That's the reason why I do some of these exams. And I don't do the... I don't do just any exams because sometimes I see mentors come to me and say, oh, I'm thinking of I want an exam to write. And they are talking about an exam that I don't even know what it is. And you see this in our... Um, accounting profession. Fi- like, go, go for the one that is go for the one that is hard. Like when people mm-hmm. hear that you're writing the exam, people will be like, "Eh, hello." Like, do you get? I like, go for good ones and suffer, sweat, 
do whatever you need to do. But once you have it, people put respect on your name and people sort of, you know, that's, that's how personally I feel. So for me, some of these exams are a pointer to the fact that if this girl could write this exam and pass it and get to this stage and do all of these things, it means she will be resilient enough to face whatever it is we throw at her own this new opportunity. That's what it is for me. On the job, nobody asks, do you have my hands? Nobody cares about that. But it just opens the door for me to come through and for me to then show my the value that I've brought. So when I get into my normal work environment, there's nothing like, oh, she's got a CFA, she's writing CFA. There's nothing like that. I just go deliver value, do what I need to do. Hmm, interesting. So, um, like, how, how did your academic background, like, help open the doors for you to get into the B4, right? And how has the journey been, you know, in the B4, you know, rising from associates to, to manager level? I, I yeah. for one, know that it is, it, it is, it is no easy feat, right? Nah, it's not. It's not. an ex-B4 consultant myself, right? <laughs> so, I, I, know, yeah. I know it is no easy feat. So I think first, getting into PwC Nigeria then, um, I'll say obviously there were people that did not have, I'd qualified as a, the year I finished school was the year I qualified as a chartered accountant, which is fine. Um, and I think everywhere I got to with my CV, at the time I was looking for a job, so I was already a qualified accountant, whatever, I was in the banking exam and doing all of that. Wherever it is I got to with my CV, people will give me a moment to hear me out. I got interview opportunities a lot because of the quality of the CV that I had, right? So um, I did not, I was not really perturbed about getting opportunities. However, there was something that I noticed when I finished school. I could not pass the normal GRE GMAT assessment. I am very bad with math. People say, how are you bad with math and you are an accountant or you are an auditor? Interesting. I, th- I think we, we, yeah. share, we, share some, we share something in common. We share something in common. <laughs> I was like really, really terrible at, at mathematics, right? And then I tell people, never underestimate the power of the mind, right? I failed mathematics yeah. at O-level twice mm-hmm. before I could finally pass it. And even when I passed it, it was a C6. But then I was studying economics, right? And then they said, <laughs> I have to like do mathematics. I, I told myself, I don't want to spend yeah. an extra. I finished with, with a 2-1, yeah. yeah? With a strong 2-1. Yeah. Then later became a chartered accountant. But then I discovered that there is a method to the madness, right? If you understand mm. the principles of these mathematical yes. and statistical courses, right? You will get yeah. it. So yeah. for me, that was what happened. I applied myself. And later I started yeah. teaching you know, students in ICANN, ACCA, and mm-hmm. a lot of my students were prize winners. So for me, yeah. like, it was feeling that, you know, you can come back from failure. And even in, yeah. in ICANN, anyways, in ICANN, I never really failed until the final level. And then it humbled mm. me. And when I got <laughs> back, you know, <laughs> when I got back, you know, the least score, I think it was when the final exams were like five papers, and I passed yeah. only two, and I failed three. It's like I've never failed in my life. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> because, but failure is part of life. All your yeah. failures, right? Yeah. And when I go back, I think yeah. I scored 88, 70 something. Mm. So I think my least score was like 71 or something, right? <laughs> so the best revenge of failure is, you know, is big success. Yeah. So for me, really, I don't see there's no shame in failure. So interesting, yeah. like how how, did, yeah. how were you able to turn that around for yourself? So, so, so 
yeah, so I, I noticed that I could not pass GRE, GMAT. So I did, I think I did KPMG assessment. I didn't pass. Deloitte, I didn't pass. EY, I didn't pass. And then I got opportunity to write PwC assessment. I'm like, we die here. So I went back. Push yourself. Honestly, I read like I had a proper ICANN exam. Like I, I went to buy. I remember that my dad, it was my dad that went to buy the GMAT book for me from Mushin or somewhere like that. He, he had to travel because we live far away. We live in the outskirts. So he had to go and buy those. I'll sit down and read throughout the night. I'll read throughout the GRE. I'll practice, 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 practice. So by the time it was time for me to write the um um. PWC test, I bought it, good enough, I passed. Um, and then when I got to the personality, I remember then that you have to do a personality test. So I, I think mm -hmm. I was scheduled for like a week away or something like that. The whole of that week was like, I was writing, I was playing for an ICANN exam. I would do a lot of personality tests online because there were three versions to do. So I'll do all of that. I passed and then got to the interview stage. I, I, I exhausted everything I could lay my hands on how to prep for interviews and all of that, telling your story and all of that. So it was it was it was not my certification that got me to the big four it was obviously probably at some point they would have considered they would have said okay let's choose between i don't know but i think that it was all of the hard work other than my certifications i had to put in that qualified me to get in because obviously there were people who studied towards um some languages in school that got in as my set which is the big four right so it was not my qualification um, so, sorry to interrupt you. So, so, sorry, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, right? So um, speaking of PwC, right, I myself as well worked with PwC in Nigeria, but I wasn't in the same office with you. I was in the Abuja office, right? Ah, nice. <laughs> yeah. But one thing I appreciate about PwC, you know, you, you were talking about the personality test, right? Yeah. I appreciate something about that firm, like in the fact that they wanted to have authentic people. Yes. Right. So that personality test was a way of, you know, reading people with yeah. that had technical competence, but mm -hmm. did not have the appropriate personality because you want people who are real. You want people yeah. who have ethics like, you know, yeah. hard work, you know, um, integrity, determination yeah. as well. Yeah. And, you know, teamwork, you know, values, not necessarily yeah. you knowing right they wanted to see that you had the capability to learn and to yeah. work with teams to collaborate and that's something i appreciate uh, a lot uh, about the firm and it also like gave me the opportunity to you know um work with the big four and you know yeah. project myself uh, to the world gave me a platform to to be able to do like greater things in, in life yeah. so a lot of people do not have that opportunity to do like great stuff in life even though they have great mm. personalities but because yeah. they don't have they, they they are lacking in terms of you know certain like technical competence because like talent is never enough but then your yeah. attitude is what like you really like takes you far right yeah. so your attitude they say determines your altitude so for yeah. me I, I love the fact that they were able to create a program that had a balance of weighing a person's you know technical yeah. capability and of course their attitude right yeah. and you know bring them and you know train them as well 
to like do um great great great, great stuff in life. So sorry yeah, for that interruption. But then, you know, no, it's something fine. like that, that I really appreciate. And, and it's good to call out because at the end of the day, when you get into the firm, you you would have to work with people, and you need to be your authentic mm. self for you to mm. be able to thrive because it's a very dynamic workplace, right? Mm. Um. So yeah, th that that's really a good point. Um. So I guess all of that prep to get into the firm. So when I got into the firm, it was not easy. I, I, I've not really sort of kept that to myself. In some of my posts on LinkedIn, I've said it, that I struggled as a first-year associate. Um, and that's because I did not understand. Look, if you notice everything I've said, it has been about hard work, being resolute and all of that. But big four kind of, there's a, there's a different style to the, the whole thing. Like when you get there, then you know that there's work here. <laughs> like quality <laughs> and high level of expectations. <laughs> uh, the pressure. The pressure. And every ones. <laughs> every every firm that I've joined, like I've, I've worked in the Nigerian firm and the UK firm, I've worked in highly pressured um, business units. So when I was in Nigeria, I worked in the financial services unit. It has dark clouds for being the most pressured unit in the firm. There's no doubt about that. Then when I came here, I'm currently working in the insurance business unit. Highly technical, the pressure is there, right? So when I, got into, when I got into FSI in Nigeria, I did not expect the work. I did not, I did not understand why someone would want me to work late into the night and also expect me to work on weekends. I, I, I don't, I, like, I, I like to work on my own terms. I would do what I need to do. I'm a, sorry, maybe there's something you may have noticed. I'm a person of my own. I've, I am a person of my own. So I've got this, I don't want to call it ego, but I've got this, I've got it, right? So when you are, um, do this, do, oh my God, it, I don't like it. So for, it, it felt like there was a lot of demand on my time or my person. I felt sick. Every, now look, it's not the firm. It's me. I was not prepped for what's to come. Now, I then began myself to begin to say, okay, this is where I am now. I can't resign. I can't, what do I need to start doing now to put me in a situation where I'm able to cope? So the good thing is everything aligned. I finished my first busy season. I had a fantastic career coach and I was very lucky to have that career coach. His name is Abiyo Duakini. He's a partner at EY now. I had, he gave me all the support in this life that I needed to thrive. After my first year, that was it. I, I, I loved it. I had the best opportunities. I was able to lead my own small job as a second year associate. So I started enjoying audits after that. So I had people who supported me, people I could go to to help. I had very nice friends who were technically good, who I could say, oh, do you know this? Have you seen this before? You know that. So, so I grew to start enjoying it. And I think being observant, knowing that I could be supported, knowing that people could actually support me, helped me for when I also joined the UK firm. Um, so obviously there was another dynamic to it, a lot to unpack, a lot to learn and all of that. But I think knowing that preparation, you prepare every day for the next level of success you want. So, for instance, I want to have a chat to my boss. I don't just walk into 
no matter what these bosses, whether it's a step higher than me or two steps or three steps or whatever, I don't walk into a meeting with my boss unprepared, no matter who you are. I don't even walk into meetings with my associates unprepared. And I mean it in the literal sense. If I think these are the things I want them to put on their plate, I would think ahead and prep ahead so that when I'm there, I'm making good use of their time to set the tone and direction for them. Same for my mm -hmm. peers. I prepare for, I, it sounds insane, but I prepare for every single meeting. I prepare for every meeting. With, sometimes a meeting is just 30 minutes. I'm preparing a whole day for it. Before I go, it's, it's, before, it's speak, it speaks to the values of the firm, right? You know, they appraise you on certain values like the whole, whole leadership, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> the whole leadership, your global acumen, your technical competence, your beauty relationships, right? Those things have to be on point. And then you always need to, like, for me, like, I started evaluating my own self on a personal basis based mm -hmm. on. You know, that that uh, particular those criteria actually and of course i saw that it has this way of pushing you to like become a better person as mm -hmm. uh, as a individual but for you like how would you say like these you know things have actually shaped your life as a person right like the lessons you've learned from you know the big four right yeah PwC i think impact, i think right? i think the big four for me is everything for me in terms of how my life has turned out I've learned so much. Let me tell you one of the beautiful things of the big force. You are exposed to extraordinary people, brilliant people. You are exposed to processes and systems that are, except you don't want to learn, right? You are mm -hmm. just in the center of a lot of things. Like it's so much, it's so overwhelming. The trainings, the people giving you guidance, and the fact that it is someone's task to make sure that you get good coaching and guidance and training. And the fact that a lot is demanded of you. So your value, like now, I know the, I know my value. You're not just going to come and call me and take my time away for nothing. Like for, because I know my time <laughs> is... I'm, I'm being serious right now. Let me tell you, for instance. You know, you know, you know your, charge, your charge out rate is, is high. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. what, what charge code am I going to, am I going to assign <laughs> that to? And, and I mean, and I mean this, look, when I became a manager, right? I started doing, in fact, before I became a manager, now, one of these big fours will help you do is, if you say you want to become a manager, they say, oh, yeah, show us that you can be a manager, right? Is one of the things you have to start demonstrating at your level and slightly at the next level you want to get into, right? So one of the things I had to do is how to manage my projects and how to manage the financial aspect of my project. I can't be making a loss and I'm doing a project, right? So one of the things I saw there was my time is very valuable. I know what my per hour is. So let me tell you what I did. I also applied it outside of PwC in my own personal life. Every time, if do I need to go to this shop to do this grocery shopping, or can I just order online? Will this hour that it will take me to go and do this grocery shopping is it worth this so much pound? Honestly, if it's not worth it, I'm just going to do online shopping. Fifteen minutes, ta 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 ta. ta I'm done. Come and deliver it to my house instead, and I probably pay what five pound delivery fee. That's fine. Rather than so, it gives me this essence of my time is valuable. And that's why up to now, look, I'm not saying I don't watch Netflix or binge watch or whatever, but look, 
for me to sit down and watch Netflix, it has to be that someone has said already you have to watch this thing. It's God bless you. you. God bless you. you. The same thing. thing with me. And people, people, people keep attacking me like, oh, you don't like watching movies. You don't like, like see, you don't get it. My time is very valuable. I only watch the cream de la cream, the cream of the crop, right? It has to come highly recommended. If it's not highly recommended, I can't be watching this thing. So somebody put me onto a movie and then I watched it for just 10 minutes and I just went out like, no, no, I can't do this. I want to sleep. And the person was asking me like, why did you do that? I'm like, see, the first 10 minutes told me that this is going to waste my life, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Because the unit of measurement of life is time. And if you're wasting my time, you're wasting my life. So I'd rather sleep and be healthy than watch a movie that, you know, is wasting my (laughs) life. I'm not yeah. learning anything. I'm not being entertained as well. Nah, nah, nah. And I mean, that's not to say that I don't watch movies or anything. I even like Nordywood, honestly. Sometimes, as I'm doing something that is really very monotonous or whatever, it can be playing in the background. I just want something to play in the background or something like that. But for me to just, all I'm doing is lying down or sitting and all I'm doing is, well, ah, I will be caught. Hey, what can I? I can be writing this. I can, like, in my head, it's spinning. Like, I should, I'm not just going to shut it out. So, I don't really sort of do that. So, I think the Big Four has helped me learn that my time is valuable and I need to be mm. channeling it the right way, including meetings. Sometimes I get into a meeting, I'm like, or before the meeting, I'm like, do we have Shulukin in this meeting? This meeting, should it not be 15 minutes? Why is it 30 minutes? Do we need an hour? Really? You know that kind of <laughs> time <job>. back. So, <laughs> yeah. So, very, so very important. Sort of stuff, yeah. So those, those, those are just one of the. Obviously, I'm all of this stuff I'm doing on LinkedIn as well because it takes a lot of time to sort of pull all of that together. I think the resilience that I've learned, having to go through multiple busy seasons, just mm-hmm. basically says I can do anything if I can go through that. I can go through anything. Mm, consistency and then i see i see the time management in the way your 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 posts are scheduled you know i see that you schedule them ahead of time like oh yeah, i see yeah. you i see you <laughs> you use it you using yeah, yeah. those those skills that we learned you know the big four the big four effects <laughs> i know so what i do all my no no whole most of my posts go out at 5 15 a.m every day um so, so it depends. So is it I write it the day? Sometimes I write it the day before. Sometimes I write over the weekend. Sometimes I write the shell at any point in time and I just develop it and what what not. I know that it may be the case, especially because I don't really get to sleep on time these days. It may be the case that I'm not up at that time. And most the most the um the vast majority of people that consume my content are Nigerians. We are one hour ahead, one hour ahead of Nigerians of Nigeria right now. So it means that people are preparing for work or they're on their way to work. They can easily see what I have to tell them in the morning before they even resume work. So it means that I have to find a time for my post to, a, a, a way for my post to reach them in the morning. I don't expect people to be all over social media during work hours. So I will not be scheduling my post for 10 a.m. or 11. It doesn't mean that if I, I, I can't do it. If I feel like I can schedule a post for that time. But I feel like that when people see that post first in the morning before they resume work, it sets the tone for what they get to do that day and how that sort of helps them achieve what they need to achieve that day. Mm, interesting the big for the big for effect you know on you and me i think yesterday we were discussing you know about um outsourcing you know when i told you about my yeah. executive assistant i was like okay <laughs> I was like, wow. you got executive assistant like oh for a startup 
like yeah that is the thing you know we learn we learn segregation of duties we learn delegation yeah. of tasks right and of course yeah. in the big four actually utilize you know um offshore uh, oh yeah offshore resources right and then i yeah. applied it in my own startup and then you're like oh <laughs> we, 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 we learned that you know you know you know, you know what i said to you when you said oh my executive assistant will send it to you i'm like oh you people are using executive assistant on this street <laughs> yeah that is that is the thing you know <laughs> the, the the big four effect just you know gives yeah, you structure yeah, yeah even in your like personal endeavors and yeah. it, it sets you apart basically and yeah. apparently if my, uh, my, my executive assistant is watching this like she knows she has learned a lot from me yeah. as a person yeah. yeah i left the big four as an assistant manager right but then yeah. like you can't be in the big four for for a couple of years right and not become not not pick up like certain skills that would yeah. help you impact other people not just yourself Definitely. Right, mm -hmm. and you know, we, we, we're grateful, we're grateful to the big four. <laughs> <laughs> it's, know, a, it's, a, it's a really, really great uh training ground. But then, yeah. what, what, what achievements stick out for you? Uh, uh, what achievements for you would you say you're most proud of, uh, as a person, both career and you know, um, personal life? Um, so I'll say from a personal life perspective, I'll say it's the mentoring thing that I'm doing right now on LinkedIn. Um, I, I think how it makes me feel, if I can describe it, is every win is my win, right? You know, when um, someone reaches out to me, a mentor reaches out, oh, I'm, I'm, so, I, I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I don't enjoy the work I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm chatting to them. We are, on, we are probably chatting every week for the next three, four months, and I'm encouraging and showing them things they need to think about, and, and I'm like, how many jobs did you apply for this week, how did this turn out, have you got callbacks, or whatever, how are you doing, do you want to consider this when you go for your next interview, and this and that and that and that and that, and then there is that investment of time and effort, sometimes I even go to do a bit of research, sometimes I say take this away, go and research and come and tell me you know, so there is that so seeing all of those things come back with, I got the job just yesterday, I got two messages in less than an hour saying, oh Ori, I got the job, and these are not just let me tell you, it's not about just getting a job these are not just random jobs, these are big four jobs, these are jobs in the uk here honestly these are not just jobs of like um these are proper so for you before i mean before i started mentoring what used to be it is when i sign when you know i go through businesses and we sign those accounts i feel this dopamine i feel this yes you know we sign our accounts we're good you know go for drinks you know, you know that, that 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 was it and that was the sort of the only thing and obviously i enjoy my, working with my team and all of that but on top of that now having all of these people coming back to say and let me tell you it's not just about the jobs it's also about already i've lost hope already like i've given up already but that post and they, they will send me that post in my dm to say you see this post that you made has changed everything for me you know those sort of things seeing those messages just lights me up and let me tell you something it has brought me to become, it has made me to become a better person even at work. 
because every day I resume at work, I'm happy. I'm sharing because I've just received a message in my DM saying, oh, I got this job, mm. or, or this is what is happening with me. Oh, or even up to negotiation of salary. Like, you told me to go and ask for it, I did, and this is it. I've gotten a 50% increase. I've gotten a 30% increase. I'm like, well, how is this even happening? Like, so yeah. that, has, that, that brightens my day every day. And just some people saying, oh, yeah, I'm just so proud of the work you're doing, you know? So having all of that, that is just to say there are no bad. Like, I have mentees that have been mentoring for the past year or so or less that they've not still gotten a way out. Mm. Right? There's always the good, the bad, and the ugly, but then the good keeps pushing you. Yeah. And I and I'm, I still sort of try to hold on to them and say, so don't, don't worry, don't worry, we'll do this, we'll do it, it will happen, it will happen. Right? Uh, I mean, especially, and it's hard, right? Having mentees who sort of maybe the grades they finish from school is not so great, and then the jobs are not coming through. And you know, it's, it can be slightly messy, right? And then you're holding, and then one day something will just happen, and then it will be it, it's worked. But then there are still some that, you know, it's still just generally hard and all of that. So, yeah. So, those, those mm -hmm. are the, from a personal perspective, that's what I'm most proud of. From a work perspective, I think my promotion to becoming a manager was, it was hard for me, for me as a person. I needed to grow into it. And I needed mm -hmm. to be solid, such that by the time I become a manager, I am delivering on all fronts. And so it required me to be a version of myself I did not think that I could become, such that by the time I get that position or I get into that leadership position, I would be okay and I would be able to deliver. So it required me to come out of my shell. It required me to read. And this is read technical stuff, read. It required me that every meeting I attend, when they say something I don't know about, I will be courageous enough to go to my boss and say, what does this mean? It required me to take on opportunities that looked messy, complex, whatever, but they were career enhancing because that was what the stakeholders were interested in. So I, I required me to ask for those sort of opportunities. So me before, although I'm very outspoken, but when it came to the job, I would cower in. I would not be courageous enough to ask for the things I wanted. It required me to say no, and it doesn't matter who you are, and just say no, I can't do it. So all of that new versions of myself needed to be unlocked for me to get into that position, and that happened for me. So um, that is up to now. Obviously, by the time I keep moving up in the ranks, there will be newer versions of success. I believe. So, yeah. So, so at what point did you did you um, think that you? accepted yourself as a human being you know like at, at some point we really don't know how much we can achieve until we push ourselves right yeah. you, you spoke about at the time you become a manager like there was like some uh, level a new level unlocked like 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 a game right and yeah I, I can speak to that as well you know being you know a professional and you know like following a similar pathway as yourself right there are like certain engagements that when you pull through it gives you yeah. like a new level of self-belief that okay, I can, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. I can, I can achieve this. But then at some, I think at some level in, in, in your life, right, there's usually probably like a season as yeah. an auditor, like when you 
actually skill through certain tough challenges or certain tough yeah. challenging period like it just yeah. gives you that air of self-belief that there is nothing i cannot skill there's nothing i cannot skill through but at, at what point did that realization yeah. come from you i think it came through for me as an assistant manager or sa2 where I was so, so, so a, a, one of my senior managers who I worked with previously on another job just tapped me on the back and said, See, there is this new job that um, is coming up. I think you'll be a very good fit for it. You will have this visibility with the partner and all of that. Do, do, you, do you think you may want it? And I think the only reason why it would tap me on the back is because I was delivering value uh, or I delivered value on the job we did together before. In my mind, I'm like, hey, okay, now that's why now I did not understand the impact. So, and I had another job I was doing, which was my main job, plus this new one that he wanted me to. So, so I'm like, um, okay. So by the time I started, that's where you know when you're about people say, I Bemeji. Ah, I knew that the word is my <laughs> <laughs> <It's too weird. laughs> So it was really tough. And to be honest, it got to a point where I almost gave up. I, for the first time, I said, no, I'm just going to go back and see. And honestly, that time, I was buying to become a manager. So I saw it as a good opportunity to say, oh, if I can do this too and I can do it well, why not? It, it's, just, it's just like a free easy card. Like, she can do it, whatever. So I almost wanted to give up. So I remember that day, I went for a walk. A long, that walk took me almost two hours. A very long walk. And I was thinking about everything. And I said to myself, if you drop one of these and say, oh, you can't do it, then how do you then say that you are going to be agile enough to take on a managerial position, right? Mm -hmm. Go and see what you can do. See how you can delegate more. See how you can eliminate some things. See the people that can help you. You know, ask for help if you need it. You know, ask for flexibility. You know, so I started thinking about it. A lot of options are coming through to me. So I said, look, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to have conversations with the people involved to just set expectations and all of that. And then I did it. It was hard, but I did it. And it was beyond reasonable doubt that no if she could do this she can't do it right so if, for me personally i saw that uh -uh, i can do much more than i think because let me tell you another thing and this personal to me just because another auditor may watch this recording and say what's she on about this is my personal opinion held strongly hmm. it is the fact that as an auditor over the years i keep telling myself i don't have time i don't have time Oh, my work is so busy. Oh, I'm so busy. Oh, I don't have... And it's the fact that we don't have time. There's a lot to get done. But what I've found out is if you are keen about your most valuable tasks per day, you will be able to make enough room for those valuable tasks, including in your personal life. So, but what we do is we make everything urgent. We make everything important. We want to do everything now. Everything mm -hmm. now, 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 now. Give me now, give me now, give me now. In fact, if I'm working with you and I see that you have that tendency of telling me everything is urgent and important, I'm going to be challenging you more often than not. Say, oh, all right, we need to do this now. And I mean it. We need to do this now. I'm like, are you sure this is urgent? The way I say, I don't believe this thing. I'm going to challenge you. I don't believe this is urgent. <laughs> so, 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 sorry, I, I want to interrupt you, right? Hold, I, like, I want to uh, say something that probably corroborates with what you are yeah. saying. 
So as an auditor of myself, right, I noticed something. I think at the point when I became an assistant manager, I noticed that uh, the same thing you said, right? And I noticed mm. that as auditors, we tend to place a lot of premium on technical competence, right? Yes. On quality, right? Mm-hmm. However, we a, a lot of us don't place a lot of premium on high level, on elite level project management. Yes. Yes. And that tends to like make engagements to crumble. But then yes. if you're elite level, even if even if you're average in terms of technical competence, but then mm-hmm. you're elite level in terms of your project management skills, you discover mm-hmm. that your jobs will be on time and yep. with the required quality. And I agree with you, Ademola, because it, sometimes people are doing the work they should not be doing. And that's why they're like, I'm busy. I'm no, uh, I don't have time. I don't. What are you doing is the question. If someone else can be taught to do the same thing you're doing, maybe someone can be taught for 15 minutes, coach for 15, 30 minutes, and you can hand it off for them to go and do it for two days. That is saving you two full days for you to do other meaningful tasks. So what are you doing? And then I like the fact that you talked about project management because project management, project management starts months before you even get into your busy season or entry mode. Or it starts months before you when you start thinking about pulling together your budget. Who are the people you need, and at what level do you need these people? What is their level of technical competence, and what would they be required to do? And then I see people being stuck up on oh because you are a sort of senior, for instance, then you have to do this sort of task. So if you are a, an associate, for instance, you have to do this sort of task. I don't operate loud, that way. I operate based on the um, strength of my team. So I could have an associate that is technically fantastic. They just know how to piece things together, right? And I could have a senior who is from project management sense, they are fantastic. So I I, I work on that. I focus on anything that has to do with admin, project management. That's their strength. I push all of that to them. It doesn't mean they don't get to do technical stuff. They still do, but more on what they fancy and what they enjoy. So that gives that gives enough room within the team for capacity for people to do more interesting stuff, do things they enjoy, and then everybody becomes happy and all of that. And you as a manager or an assistant manager or whatever, you will have time to do things that, I mean, things that are meaningful for you. I'm not saying there are no times when, obviously, everybody's needs down into the work. Our personal life is up in the air and all of that. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. I sort of agree with you on that point. So, yeah. I guess. Oh, wow. Interesting. So, uh, speaking of your career uh, mentorship platform, like, uh, what are the long-term um, goals for the platform, right? And, like, what are the basic rules or principles you share to career starters? Um, so, um, if you're asking me now that, um, in my head, I kind of know where this is going. I just got one vision, making sure people have the right access to the right information they need to propel them to success in their careers right? As long as you're connected with me, you're probably going to hear one thing or the other from me that is going to help you sort of be properly positioned, go for opportunities, feel feel encouraged and all of that. Um, okay, how then do I do that? I can't attend to everybody one-on-one. It's just too much. A lot of people that have got... So we created this space where we have people... Um, and then we do virtual events because it has to be group mentoring, right? So that we can share, then I bring people to them. Um, 
from all of us. I bring people to them to sort of teach them, talk to them about some key topics. And usually what determines the topic we sort of walk through in a virtual event is based on what people keep coming back to talk about, like say, oh, I, I can't just muster that confidence to talk up in meetings, oh, I feel stressed at work, oh, I'm not seeing the growth opportunities that I need, uh, you know, my well-being is being impacted, I can't seem to have work-life balance and all of that, and then I bring people from all over the place to talk to them, and it's you know, just basically giving people access to the information that they need. Um, what I personally found out before I started is and it's just basically me playing to what I would have wanted to have when I was a career starter. Nobody prepared me for what I what I went through. Some people would go through the same thing I went through and they fell out. Some people just resigned and they went mm -hmm. and that was it. In fact, I had two people who reached out, two people during the course of my career who I spoke to, one of which said to me, I wish I never resigned. The person resigned as a first-year associate in the before. And the person said, one of my biggest regrets is that I resigned due to the pressure, right? Mm. So having, if that person had the right mentorship or someone having two job opportunities, um, maybe a bank gave them an opportunity to be a marketer and maybe a, a big four gave them opportunity to come on board as an auditor or consultant or whatever. And because the bank was paying them more, they went for the bank instead of going for audit. You know, that kind of deal. There are people that, I, I, I don't know, depending on what you want for yourself, but I've clearly seen someone tell me I that's my biggest regret. Because if they are going into a big four in five years, even if they're moving into industry, they're going to industry as a, a senior finance something or a senior whatever. So there they, they will be steps ahead rather than being in the industry from ground up and in 10 years, they're not still eating the mark. So mm. the whole idea is as long as people have access to me, I am, and the way I run the mentoring show is I don't tell you what to do. I don't tell you what to do. I ask you questions that give you the answers. So you within you, the answer is within you is my ultimate belief, which I hold strongly. Like when someone comes to me and say, I have two job options. Well, which one should I choose? I'm not going to know. I'm not in your life. I don't know your circumstances. I don't know what you're able to do. I can't even rank your technical competence. So I don't even know. I don't even know the work culture of the place you're asking me to judge for you. I can't judge. But I will give you a couple of questions. I'll say, go and think about these questions. Tell me the answer. By the time you have a framework. That's it. By the time you come back with the answers, you already know the answers. In fact, there was a time I sent someone like five, just five questions. And the person was like, don't worry, I already know what to go for. It's as simple as that. I don't, I don't have the answer. I'll just say, I'll just right i'll just say these are the questions we'll go go figure and then they will come back and say okay i know i know basically what to do mm, interesting so like how's the journey been for you so far and you know how do you balance being a corporate professional a mother <laughs> a career coach work-life balance like how, how, how do you cope you have so many hearts that you wear there is no there is no work-life balance i don't believe in it personally uh, oh wow um, <laughs> I'm on this chart. By the time I left this morning, by the time I left home this morning, my son was crying. He didn't want me to leave home. But I needed to leave so I can do this podcast, right? Oh, wow. So then, wow. Uh, wow. So, you're, you're inspiring. So, you're inspiring the next generation. <laughs> so whoever is watching this, say a very big thank you to Aura Bukola because she had to get comfortable being uncomfortable in order to do this for you so please take this very seriously and take the nuggets very seriously 
so and and it's not he he's very clean he did so yeah that's fine so he didn't want me to leave him so he was crying and uh, so I, but I and I, it's every time I step out of the house on the weekends to do if after this podcast I've got another call that I need to j- jump on to sort of that I, I'm being hosted on so for me to be able to I can't do that in in the house because it's not going to allow me <laughs> uh, because it's a three-year-old it's just it's just going to be all over me um so um that's one of the so it's hard so um it's really hard and when I go and I need to remain my authentic self at work and I need to deliver value and for me to be my best self at work I need to work hard it means I need to invest the hours for me to also impact the lives of people out there and to gain trust I need to work hard so I maximize the hours that I have um obviously that impacts me in terms of I don't then have enough time to do a lot of personal things that I would, I wouldn't say personal things, maybe like fun things at this point, but it's a stage, it's a stage, um, um, it, it's a stage. I feel like it's an investment of time for me to build the brand that I'm building right now. So it's just an investment of time. A time is going to come. So I know a lot of people say, oh, four hour work week, um, oh, you I don't that's fine for me now it's not four hours it, my my day my day is running up 14 hour work days and it's not just work it's also the mentoring thing and all of that um so is there is no balance for me personally right now I, and You're I investing find, the hours. I'm investing it and it's the first time I'm really finding purpose in my life so mm. I feel like because it's the first time I feel like I'm, I, I found it. I'm going to invest in it. it, it not everybody is blessed enough to find something they enjoy like I do enjoy this. So it's a blessing. I'm not complaining and it's fine. So, and there are also times when it's just like tomorrow. I don't, I don't have anything scheduled tomorrow. So it's just me in my home with my kids the whole of tomorrow. We're basically going to piss ourselves off. With a lot of yelling, stand up, sit there. <laughs> there was going to be all of that. It's fine. It's part of family time. <laughs> um, but on days when I need to get up and sort of go do stuff, I'm going to do it. Same with my professional life. This is my busy season right now. Um, during the busy season is work. It's a lot of work and probably less family time. It's fine because after the busy season, I'm still going to get upwards of nine months when I will have normal life, work life, and I will have normal family time and whatever else I need to do. So in the first three months, I'm not going to whine and complain. This is a job that people are in my DM basically crying to me to say, I just want to get through the door. And that's the job I have. So I'm not going to say, oh, my family, my, yes, my family is important, but this is the time for us. This is the most important time at work. And I'm very, very blessed to also have a very supportive partner who says, no, just go. Like today is with the kids. I'm here. Oh, it's fine. So no, that's fine. I'll just go. So having that support. And obviously, I have to travel for work as well, multiple days a week during the busy times. And it's fine. So um, there is no, and so that's why I don't 
believe reading like oh they have to be proper fitted balance there's no balance a time is also going to come when work may take it so for instance during the course of the year there was a time when i was struggling with my childcare responsibilities my son's school just shut down and i needed to find another school for my son and that wasn't coming Ooh. through because i needed a special kind of school for my son i was i had to take good time off work and it was i had a deadline coming up but my people at work was like no all right go go sort yourself out out and i was with my family the whole time and and i i needed flexibility for q, the whole almost the whole of q4 i was not i didn't have to travel as much and you know i, I there were meetings i missed because i had to do school runs and do, do you get where i'm coming from mm-hmm. so sometimes work will take a hit sometimes family will take a hit but i don't personally believe there's a balance <laughs> <laughs> But then that is still that is still the balance, anyways, you know. Okay. <laughs> Having both 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 ends taking taking heats, right? But then still achieving success, you know, on on yeah. uh, on both ends. So really, yeah. you are a mentor, right? But then who is the mentor of the mentor? <laughs> that, yeah. so, and what that's contributions big, have they made to your life? That's a that's a big, that's a big one, and this will come to you as a surprise that I don't have a mentor that I will say, oh, you are my mentor. I'm going to live your life or you're going to tell me what to do at every phase of my life. I, I don't, I don't have, I don't have, mm. unfortunately. There are categories, you know, like, you know, for, for, for a person like me, right? I have like friends in different, um, in different boxes so yes. i i have friends that okay when it comes to career okay these guys are go-to people when it comes to having fun these other guys are go-to people exactly. when it comes to health these guys are go-to people <laughs> when it comes exactly. to uh yeah. so, so some other thing right they're like go-to people for for like different things maybe yeah. you so that's so yeah so um in my so what i do is in my career the good thing is i work with pwc that will basically give you a career coach at work someone to coach you to tell you what's next i am very lucky to have a fantastic career coach and i don't know i'm just very lucky i just have this fantastic career coach she checks up on me, says, Oh, yeah, what's your plan for this year? What are you thinking about? What are you looking to? Have you thought about this? When there are opportunities, this person shares it with me, you know. So I feel personally comfortable to do whatever I need to do if I feel like this is my goal. And I also have immediate bosses I work with that help me technically and help me from a leadership perspective. So their life is like a frame for me to watch. Do you see why really going outside to go look for a mentor is, I know it's not everybody that has the kind of blessings that I do have. So I have these people that most of the things I know now, I, I have learned it even by observing them. Like my partner, my director, my senior managers, fantastic people, my career coach in the office. So from a career perspective, I feel strongly about the support that I'm getting and I don't need to look out. Now, that does not mean that i don't so like i said i am for content everything available in terms of like executive career coaching content and all of that i'm in it so i know when to go out i know when to speak up i know when to take opportunities 
I'm all about obviously that's even what I preach, right? So I know when to go all out for that. Now, when it comes to motivation, sometimes you need that real human motivation. I've got some friends like that. I made a post recently about that. I've got a friend, I've got a group of friends that um, they motivate me. So when I think <laughs> about them or when I reach out to them or when we chat, they just help me, you know, keep thinking about things. Even when I feel like I'm just going to move on. I think about it. I'm like, I'm not moving on. I'm just going to, until I get this thing done, I'm going to get it done. Right? So I have I don't, sort of people. I don't know if you've seen this, this popular saying on social media. They say, Ajay, you didn't motivate me. <laughs> <laughs> ah, they still, they, those, those are people. <laughs> those are my people. There you go. Those are your people. So my next question is actually from my executive assistant uh, to you. Yeah. And then she says, uh, which successful black women uh, do you admire in society? Um, I'll take Kala Ari. Um, has always been well, continue to be um, of Morgan Stanley. Um, and and that's from, obviously, I, I met with her once during the CFA uh, Societies, um, I think, investment conference that held in Nigeria. I think in 20, I think it was in 2018, 2019, not really sure. So I met with her in person during that conference. And I, she's one person that I've, I sort of follow our content and obviously I, I don't know if I'll be able to get a <laughs> one-on-one with her but that's someone I sort of watch and look 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 up to to say oh if especially in in the in the U.S. has seen such a woman grow to that level is simply amazing and I find all our nuggets very very helpful um, but when you come back, when you come back home, people that I see at home are Ibukwa Wushika. I listen to her a lot. I love how she speaks. I love the courage. You know, you know, she's someone that for a long, long time, even before I joined PwC, that I've always sort of watched, watched from afar. Um, Ngozi um, Okonjo Iwiala was from way back when she was the minister of finance. Then I'm like. I can be this woman, you know, I can be this woman. And, you know, all of that. Most people that I look up to, I don't have access to them. But I, every time they write something or they put something out, I tap into it and I just, you know, I just want to, I'm not following, if you've noticed this, it's not if I'm following their steps, step by step. I just want to well, see you, you admire them, right. basically. Yes, what they're doing right now. Now, this is more general. Every black lady around me, around me, when I hear in the UK or people reaching out to me or whatever, I see potential in them and I celebrate them. I just want to help as much as I can. I just want to, and I also want to be connected. So I've got a couple of um, black ladies on LinkedIn as well that have reached out to me, that have reached out to, that have collaborated, they've helped me run virtual mentoring sessions and and all, all of that and all of that. Um, there is Edem um, from KPMG. I, I, I really, really adore her. She was still in my DM yesterday. We we're still talking about her new um, um, goal setting ebook that she's just released. So, you know, these are, these are just basically people that are around me, sort of giving me some, some energy. And when they come to me for support or any sort of things like in terms of like mentoring or anything, or they need referral or whatever, I'm always there to help. So that's what. It looks like for me from that perspective. 
Okay, so there you go. Um, Essie, that's your question answered on black excellence. You know, <laughs> she, she, she's a very, very strong proponent, you know, part of black excellence or the black excellence movement. And, you know, yeah. I, I admire that as well. You know, black excellence is important. You know, it's important to have, you know, people of black heritage succeed yeah. and inspire people in society I, I, yeah. I always love to see that and i hope that yourself and myself as well would inspire a lot of people you know yeah. millions and millions of people um in, in society to 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 do great stuff ah okay so we are almost you know getting to the end right of uh, this yeah. session so basically like what are your hobbies you know and personal interests and also, uh, what skills or competences do you have are you proud of for people to not know about? Um, skills and competences that people don't... I know how to cook very well. Very Oh, very so you share another thing in common with me. Why? Why? Very, very, very well. Why, why do we have too many things in common? Before <laughs> you're Nigeria. <laughs> You love black excellence. Um, you can cook. Maybe, maybe, maybe let, let me like to think. Maybe to make me sleep well. Let me like to think I can cook better. Just <laughs> <Shots> fired. <laughs> so um, yeah. So and I do. It's, it's stressful, but I do enjoy cooking for my family. And, and let me just like I I could stand up for two three hours in the kitchen on a weekend to prep to all of that. Right. And I have you have you cooked to a party before? Um, I've cooked for a large gathering before. Um, not for like party party, but like maybe like a sitting room sort of party kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. something like that. But like a large party, nah. Yeah, I've not, I've not done that before. Um, so I think I enjoy cooking for my family. Um, oh, what else? I don't know. <laughs> uh, that, that, is, that is interesting. I, for me, I've cooked for parties before, so like, <laughs> you know, when, when like you, you are all people, yeah, when most people, people enjoy your food, it just gives you that confidence that yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good at this thing. Nobody can tell me anything again. <laughs> Nobody, you know, it's, it's a very short, interesting story. There was one time we were having this house party um, in Abuja, and then the lady that was meant to cook the food. Right, I think somebody offended her, and she was like, "Oh, I'm not going to cook the food again." So, but like <laughs> last minute, and then people were already arriving. I just said, "Here are the ingredients. Bring it, bring, bring, bring them." I just, I, I, I put everything together, made the jollof rice, and everybody was like, "Wow, this is really nice!" And the lady herself about eight out of it. She was like, mm, mm. <laughs> "I'm like, yo, there you go." <laughs> Nice. It's good to see you yeah. can cook. That's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah. So my my last question to you, right, is um, what advice? Uh, that is from me to you, right? Yeah. So what advice do you have for young people um, in general? Um. So I'd say, so I'll restrict it back to career, um, and I'd say find your source of motivation because when you are motivated you basically are at a point where you feel you can achieve anything and you'll begin to get the answers that you need um what i've seen is that most people would say i don't enjoy my work i don't enjoy my life i feel in some certain way you know there's just this internal dialogue going on with them 
telling them they are not good enough and all of that. But if you connect yourself to a steady source of motivation and you connect yourself to someone who holds you accountable and you connect yourself to um, a steady stream of motivation that gets you up every single day, then you can achieve anything you want to achieve, right? So it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter how bad it's gone for you. It doesn't matter what people are saying currently about you. It doesn't matter if people are looking at it, oh, you just started now, nothing, nothing. You're still, you're still going to stop or it's going to end or whatever. It doesn't matter what people are saying to you or what you are even saying to yourself. It does not matter. What matters is find that right level of inspiration, that source that keeps telling you you're good enough, you can do it. You, you know, The more you hear that, the more developed in spirit you are and the more assured you are that whatever it is you want to do, you can do it, right? So obviously there is a lot, there are lots and lots of things I can tell you, but I feel like if you find your steady source of motivation, then you can do anything. Fantastic, fantastic. Words of advice from a sage uh, like <laughs> yourself. So at the end of the pod, we, we have um, a tradition wherein the previous guest drops, you know, a question for the next guest and, you know, the current guest drops a question for the next one. So yep. uh, the question to you was dropped by somebody I think you should know. He is uh, a renowned um, Nollywood um, actor. That is Funsho Adeolu. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> aka AKA finest. But then he dropped something, <laughs> something. Okay, let me say interesting for you. He said, "Okay, uh, <laughs> this might start a bit controversial, but let's see, let's see what you say." So he says, "What option would you pick if you were forced to select between sleeping with another person's partner for fifty million pounds or losing all of your assets and starting all over from the scratch?" there's not much in the asset anyways so i'll do <laughs> oh what do you say your money or your life you say, anyways i don't get money <laughs> i can't trade my partner for anything in the world so sorry i'm sorry about that uh so you can take you can take you can, you can take it right okay so what question would you like to leave for the next guest uh, to answer let them work well i don't know what the next guest is guest is but i'll my question for them will be if the only person that has the answer to their problems or to an issue they're going through is a renowned enemy known enemy someone who thinks they can't amount to anything that's the person that has the answer to their next level hmm. would they rather go to this person to get the answer or they will just move on or lock up <laughs> ah. <laughs> oh that is a tough one but for me for me i think i would not lock up <laughs> i'll humble i will humble myself <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, Let's see what it wow. is. Let's see what it is. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I, I'll I'll say the I'll say the response to you. Uh, so All right, I would really like to say it. <laughs> you know, at this point, you know, I need to call up my 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 attitude of gratitude because I am mm. very very big of gratitude, and from me to you, it is a very very big thank you. I appreciate your time. Aww. You know, I appreciate your wise words. 
you know, I, words are not enough to express my gratitude to you for coming uh, on board uh, okay. today. So happy new year to you. I wish thank you, you, thank you, know, you great stuff for this year. And of course, God bless you. And you too. Thank you very much, Ademola. Okay. Okay. Makes a lot of Uh, sense. Well done. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. Okay. So just before you go, right, I give people the opportunity to to give a shout out to anybody of their choice or any persons of their choice before they leave. So who are you going to shout out to? Um. So I'm I'm going to shout give my shout out to my husband. Um. Hmm. And the reason is because um is the most supportive person i personally know um and for all the good things that you're doing for me i really appreciate it letting me be the woman finding my purpose and letting me just fly as much as i need to and just supporting me to say or what do you want to do this thing you're forgetting it do it make sure you do this make sure you do that so you know just you know it's making sure that i sort of keep going in my career and in this mentoring thing I'm doing and everything else that I bring on board and just basically supporting me all the way so thank you boo I love you <laughs> mm, wow we go love boo <laughs> 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 uh, I, pray, I pray I pray God gives me a partner like that as well you know yeah, let me talk from your blessing let me talk from your blessing okay okay thank you very much once more for uh, being on no, the Kingdoms podcast. Do have a great day ahead. God bless you. And you too. Thank you very much, Demala. All right. Okay. Bye.